Hello and welcome to the Veterinary Secrets Podcast. My name is Dr. Andrew Jones and this is episode 65. In today's episode, I'm discussing a new alternative treatment for allergy in dogs and cats, which has studies to back it. Do you need to worry about the FDA warning about raw pet food? My comments. Plus, my top safe natural anti-inflammatories for pain relief in pets. Veterinary Secrets is on iTunes and Stitcher and whatever your favorite podcast app is. I definitely appreciate it if you would subscribe to my podcast and leave a review. You can do so on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever podcast app you're using. Questions or comments? Feel free to post a comment on my blog at veterinarysecrets.com forward slash blog. And lastly, if you've yet to do so, I encourage you to get a copy of my free book by going to veterinarysecrets.com forward slash news. Now let's get right into today's podcast. The dreaded allergy. Itch. Scratch. Rub. Itch. Hair loss. Smell. Rub some more. Itch. Chew the groin. Lick the paws. More itch. More rubbing. The smell. Arg. Yes, there are the veterinary options such as prednisone or the newer generation, you know, anti-itch medications such as Apoquil, Atopica, a cytopoint. Yes, they're potentially effective, but they come with a host of potential side effects, you know, such as suppressing the immune system. Are there any other options? Well, you should know about this stinging plant. It's called stinging nettle. Stinging nettle has a long history of use as an anti-allergy preparation and is also used in the treatment of prostatic hypertrophy. The stinging hairs and leaves of this plant can contain histamine, serotonin, acetylcholine, and 5-hydroxytryptamine. These are compounds that are typically the cause of allergic symptoms. Some investigators attribute the antihistaminic properties of the ingested nettles to a feedback inhibition of histamine and histamine-related compounds. Kind of think of it as a, you know, the equivalent of a good vaccine. Stinging nettle leaf has demonstrated significant anti-inflammatory activity. It has been used for the treatment of rheumatoid arthritis and allergic rhinitis. Herbalists have found nettle to be a reliable herb in the treatment of numerous systemic and dermatological inflammatory conditions. It may be taken as a tea or in freeze-dried capsules. No serious adverse effects were reported in five clinical studies with a total of over 10,000 patients using nettle extracts corresponding to an equivalent of 9.7 grams of the dried leaf daily for periods ranging from 3 weeks to 12 months. How can you prepare a nettle tonic for your dog? First, you can just harvest the tips of very fresh, bright green nettle leaves and stems. Just make sure you're wearing gloves so you don't get stung yourself, but put them into a small container. Immerse the leaves and stems completely in boiling hot water and add a good pinch of salt and leave stand for 10 minutes. Now you can either strain this liquid and use it weak, or you can blitz the leaf and water mix and use in their food, one teaspoon per 15 kilos of body weight. And no, this can't sting them. To do this, just test it a little bit on your skin and you'll see it. Drink some yourself. Then lastly, put the rest of the mixture in an ice cube tray and make little ready-to-go ice cubes for later use. Much easier. For topical treatments of stiff joints, you can make a maceration out of nettles by mushing up the tips in something wonderful like almond oil. Leave it there in a sealed jar for two to three weeks. Strain out the bits and massage in. For long-term, more serious users can make up your own nettle tincture. You're going to soak nettle leaves in a sealed jar of alcohol for two to three weeks. Obviously, the easier thing for yourself is just going ahead and just purchasing nettle tincture. As far as nettle tea, you can just purchase the nettle tea bags and dose your pets at a quarter of a cup for 10 pounds of body weight daily. I have nettle tea in my house. You you can also get freeze-dried nettle capsules. Um, They're actually quite effective. It's just the concentrated nettle itself. I've purchased the dried nettle leaf. 
Um, just purchased it from purchased it from my local co-op and I've actually made a really concentrated tea I'm taking myself. I've added a little bit to my dog's food, added it to Tula's food along with my cat Murray's food. Uh, they both consumed it. So there is a number of different ways you could consider using nettle. The second part of today's podcast. The FDA cautions pet owners not to feed performance dog pet food due to salmonella listeria. What are some of the fast facts? Well, the U.S. FDA is cautioning pet owners not to feed their pets any performance dog frozen raw pet food after a sample tested positive for salmonella and listeria. Two samples of different finished products collected during an inspection of Bravo Packing, the manufacturer of performance raw dog pet food, tested positive. The product that entered the marketplace is performance dog raw pet food, lot code 072219, sold to customers in two pound pouches. However, the FDA is cautioning about all performance dog frozen raw pet food products placed on or after July 22, 2019. Because the products do not have lot codes printed on the retail packaging. The FDA is issuing this alert because performance dog raw pet food represents, in their words, a serious threat to human and animal health. So what is the problem? Well, the US FDA is cautioning penners not to feed this, you know, specific samples. This is the second time Bravo Packing product has tested positive for pathogen contamination. In September 2018, Bravo Packing recalled all performance dog frozen raw pet food due to salmonella. So what is salmonella and what are the symptoms of salmonella infection? Salmonella is a bacteria that causes illness and death in people and animals, very seldom, especially those who are very young, very old, or have weakened immune systems. According to the CDC, people infected with salmonella can develop diarrhea, fever, and abdominal cramps. Most people can recover without treatment, but in some people, the diarrhea may be so severe they need to be hospitalized. Pets do not always display symptoms, when infected with salmonella, but signs are similar, including vomiting, diarrhea, which may be bloody, fever, loss of appetite, and dis- decreased activity level. What is Listeria monocytogenes and what are the symptoms of it? this infection? Listeria is a bacteria that causes illness and death in people and animals, also very, very seldom, especially those who are pregnant, very young, very old, or weakened immune systems. According to the CDC, listeriosis in people can cause a variety of symptoms depending on the person and the part of the body affected. Symptoms can include headache, stiff neck, confusion, loss of balance, and convulsions, in addition to fever and muscle aches. Pregnant women typically experience only fever and other flu-like symptoms such as fatigue and muscle aches. However, infections during pregnancy can lead to miscarriage, stillbirth, premature delivery, or life-threatening infection of the newborn. Listeria infections are very uncommon in pets, but they are possible. You can see some similar signs, moderate to severe diarrhea, anorexia, fever, um, nervous muscular and respiratory signs, abortion, depression, shock and death. So why is the FDA so concerned about salmonella and listeria in pet foods and treats? Where they're saying it's of particular public health importance because they can affect both human and animal health. Pets can get sick from these pathogens and may also be carriers of the bacteria and pass it on to their human companions without appearing to be ill. So what are some of what I think? Well, first of all, it seems to be that the FDA seems to have a bit of a bias towards small, raw pet food makers. And yeah, it seems to be a lot easier to pick on the little guys with small pockets. They have a bias period against any type of raw pet food. Are there risks from feeding raw pet food? Potentially. Are there ones that are really borne out and seen in clinical practice amongst veterinarians? Seldom, if ever, when you're looking at hundreds of thousands of dogs and cats being fed across 
across North America being fed raw pet food. Few to any or every diagnosed, for instance, with Seminole. Never heard of a veterinarian diagnosing Listeria in a dog or cat. Secondly, this is not really putting in context some of the many specific health risks that come with, you know, contaminated drive pet food. And keep in mind that non-raw pet food, primarily kibble, is responsible for the majority of the pet food recalls. Here are some of the dog and cat kibble pet food contaminants. And this comes from the Clean Label Project, where they studied hundreds of different pet foods in 2017. You know, they found cadmium, lead, mycotoxins, arsenic, mercury, BPA, acrylamide, pesticides, antibiotics, nearly 100 different toxins. Some pet food contained 16 times more lead than Flint River, Michigan's tainted water. They found that some pet food came, contained more than 1,000% more BPA than was found in a can of chicken soup. They compared cigarettes to pet food. Some pet food had 260 206% more cadmium than cigarettes. Some pet food had almost 2,000% more arsenic than cigarettes. Some pet food had almost 500% more lead than cigarettes. Just unreal. Like just looking at that level of toxins and toxicity. And I, I think my point when I'm trying to get to all this is that there's a bunch of things that need to be taken into account. So yeah, you might see these warnings from the FDA. Is it possible that your dog could get sick from salmonella or listeria that you could? Yes, it is. Use some good common sense if you're feeding raw, like where you're taking it out frozen, you defrost it overnight, you wash your hands well, you wash your counter well, you use like good hygienic practices you wash your dog's bowl every day so they're not having bacteria growing in that bowl, then I think you're 100% safe. And I honestly, personally think that it's much, much healthier than, you know, 99% of the other dog foods, all that kibble that's out there. Another example, and this kind of leads into the third part of today's podcast, it's just talking about anti-inflammatories. So before we talk about the natural ones, you know, many of you who are on this podcast are going to have a dog or cat that has been on an NSAID, a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug. Yes, they can be very effective for acute pain relief, but they can also have some serious side effects and really should be avoided long-term and never given to cats long-term. What are some of the documented side effects? And this comes from the FDA. Common side effects include vomiting, diarrhea, not eating less, and lethargy. Veterinary NSAIDs have been associated with gastrointestinal ulcers, perforations, liver and kidney toxicity. Serious side effects associated with the use of NSAIDs can occur with or without warning and in some cases result in death. Use with other anti-inflammatory drugs such as other NSAIDs and corticosteroids should be avoided. Patients at greatest risk for kidney problems or those who are dehydrated are on diuretic treatment such as furosemide or pre-existing kidney, heart, and or liver problems. NSAIDs can cause stomach and intestinal bleeding. And that's just to name a few signs. So my point of all of this, taking all this stuff, you look at these FDA warnings, take them into context, you know, question what you're reading, question what you're hearing on my podcast. And I'm just wanting you to think about it like, okay, so hearing all that, yes, you should be considering some type of natural anti-inflammatory. So I wanted to give you a list of some healthier, what I would consider potentially better natural anti-inflammatories. You know, we're aging, we get aches and pains. Guess what? Our dogs and cats are going through much the same things. They said, in fact, there's now a 65% chance that your dogs are going to develop arthritis by the age of seven, a 30% chance your cats are going to develop it by the age of six. 
people will usually opt for conventional medications to address these body pains. You know, these non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, ibuprofen, etc. They're the topmost remedy for people and for pets. Similar ones, these non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs themselves. Because they're great at suppressing inflammation. However, they can cause these various side effects. You know, the vomiting, diarrhea, loss of appetite, depression, organ dysfunction. You know, intestinal ulcers, seizures, liver failure, kidney failure, and even death. So what are some of these options? First of all, consider fish oil. It's great, safe for both dogs and cats long term, but it needs to be given at a high enough dose. The therapeutic dose would be 1,000 milligrams per 10 pounds of body weight daily. It has direct anti-inflammatory benefits and can work in conjunction with other conventional drugs and or the other natural anti-inflammatory herbs. Arnica 30C. This is a homeopathic. Sort of consider it's kind of the first homeopathic remedy I was exposed to. And it's one which has been shown to be helpful for acute injury, muscle pain and stiffness, swelling from injuries. The typical dose is 130C capsule per 10 to 20 pounds of body weight every two to four hours for an acute injury and one capsule twice a day for long-term use. You can also get Arnica in a combination treatment. There's one I really like called Tromiel. It comes as an oral pill, also comes as a cream which you can put on, say an effective Knee. Number three is quercetin. It's also known as nature's Benadryl. It's a bioflavonoid, a naturally occurring compound found in high concentration in apple peel. Flavonoids are not just powerful antioxidants, but they also have natural anti-inflammatory and antihistamine characteristics. It's great for dogs and cats that have urinary tract disease and going through painful inflamed bladders. The quercetin dose is 20 to 25 milligrams per 10 pounds of body weight to be given daily. Number four, green tea. You know, it's considered to be one of the healthiest beverages on earth. It's loaded with antioxidants and nutrients that bring impressive benefits to our and our pet's bodies. You can make a cup of green tea using a tablespoon of green tea, then adding that to your dog's water bowl twice a day. For specific doses, we're looking at about a quarter of a cup per 10 pounds of body weight daily. That's if you're making one cup of tea, green tea, or 10 milligrams per 10 pounds of body weight daily if you're gonna be adding the dried leaves. Number five, 95% curcumin. So I've talked about the 95% curcumin. It's isolated uh, from the herb turmeric um, an array of different things, but really it's a pretty, pretty key uh, anti-inflammatory in particular um, for animals that have arthritis. It can be useful for dogs and for cats. Um, it's got a bu bunch of different research and honestly I've actually incorporated it into my new dog supplement, Dr. Jones's Ultimate Advanced Health Formula. Aside from its anti-inflammatory properties, it also contains antioxidants. The dose, pretty standard dose, 50 to 100 milligrams per 10 pounds of body weight daily. And the big thing with 95% curcumin is it needs to be given with fat so it can, can get absorbed as well. Number six is Boswellia. Boswellia, it's a herb originally used to, for arthritis in India and also helped to boost the immune system. It works really well in combination with curcumin. And when we're looking at Boswellia doses, we're looking at what half the curcumin doses. So it's somewhere between 25 to 50 milligrams per 10 pounds of body weight daily. But those, there's one study I read where they used 95% curcumin in combination with Boswellia. Found it to be as effective as naproxen, a pretty common, pretty strong uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug that many people have been on. Number seven, frankincense essential oil. So this is the essential oil. So frankincense that's actually what is Boswellia, but you can actually use extract. You get the essential oil from the Boswellia tree. 
And it's great to be consider using it topically. A real simple thing is to take like 10 drops of frankincense, mixing in with like two tablespoons of a carrier oil, like olive oil, I really like coconut oil. You can apply that topically, massaging it into your dog's knees, for instance. Such a really good way uh, to also use uh, Boswellia, you're using frankincense and using it topically. And number eight is CBD or cannabidiol. You know, this is the non-psychoactive part of the cannabis plant, which now is research showing it to be very effective natural anti-inflammatory. It is working well for arthritis, pain relief, autoimmune disease, including allergies. When we're looking at CBD doses, we're looking at one milligram per 10 pounds of body weight twice daily. I now have a new CBD supplement, Dr. Jones's Ultimate CBD for Dogs and Cats. It's available at www.thecbdsupplement.com. So that concludes today's podcast. Once again, thanks you guys for listening. Questions or comments, just feel free to post a comment on my blog at veterinarysecrets.com forward slash blog. And lastly, I encourage you to get a copy of my free book. It's at veterinarysecrets.com forward slash news.